I have like news to report, kind of. It's not necessarily oh. breaking news, oh. but it's like something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly reporting news, regular news. So, yeah, just news. <laughs> Talk to me. Remember, like, a couple episodes ago, I had to sort of clarify, I do have an AC, but it can't be on when we record. (laughs) So I got, I can't remember if it was a DM or, like, a comment in the Facebook group, but someone was like, hey, girl, like, put some sheets or, like, a pillowcase or something in the freezer overnight. (gasps) Is it working? It is. It's, it's like, draped over my legs now, because guess what, girl? Not wearing pants. (laughs) And thank you, listener, for uh, hooking me up with that. I appreciate that. And I promise to stop talking about how hot it is in my apartment. Girl, I've got some regular news as well. Would you like to know what it is? I'd love to know. Jillian Pensavale! Patrick Hines, banana. <laughs> Why are you screaming at me? I am in the studio so I can be as loud as the hell I want. Oh, what is it? A little chilly in there too? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you guys, before we get to the show, look, just a quick reminder. If you want some more fun, last good times. Fun, last. Join us on the Patreon. You guys, right now, we are doing All Be Gone in the Dark, which is the Golden State Killer six-part series on HBO, and it's bananas, girl. Yeah, it's so well done. It's like, yes. it ticks everything on the Jillian list. It's like, got the, the slow, creepy Amy Mann intro music. Amy yes. Ryan is a narrator. Yes. All my Amys. Uh, badass, <laughs> badass women just taking down a piece of shit. It is very hashtag let the women do the work. That's what that series is all about. They all basically say it. Yeah. Like, at least once so far in the episodes we've covered, at least one person's like, so we just let the women do the work, am I right? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> but you guys, we just finished covering McMillions, which you were you also shown in McMillions. Well, thank you, girl, as did you. I mean, we, you. It's, this is a team effort, you know? But it's where we do our series, you guys. It's like, it's, you know, Serial, Making a Murderer, Lacey Peterson. Tiger King and Tiger King. Don't F with Cats and The Jinx and OJ, Menendez Brothers. Madeline McCann. All the long-term stuff that you want us to cover, yeah. it's all over there. There's also ad-free versions of these episodes. There's after parties and ringtones, and sometimes we send you some stuff in the mail. It's a really fun time. And, like, hangout sessions, Zoom sessions? Totally. Zoom sessions. We do sometimes. You know, we're hanging. Also, you guys, we launched a new podcast. It's called Obsessed with Disappeared. My friend Ellen Marsh and I recap episodes of IDs Disappeared. We're telling the stories of missing people. It's another true crime comedy podcast. We take the victims really seriously. Lastly, tell the people about the merch girl. All right, so we have all this new merch and I got to tell you, we're not seeing a penny of it and that's exactly how we want it. We're donating every single set. So we have Let the Women Do the Work, speaking of. We have yep. like uh, shirts and mugs and all this cool shit and all this like- Face masks. Face masks, wear them, yeah. wear them. <laughs> I'm not making a political statement. It's just science. Wear the goddamn face mask. Yeah, so we're donating every cent to charity. We're supporting charities that support Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ plus charities, women's rights and animal charities. Buy the stuff, but I don't want to see a dime of it. Get that dime out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Get that money out of my face. I don't want to see it. Let's put it to causes that really need it. I don't want to get it away from me, girl. Stop it. Oh my God. Okay, girl. Mad about it now. All right, girl, today we are talking about 41 Shots, which tells the story of 23-year-old Amadou Diallo, an unarmed black man that was gunned down by four white police officers who shot him 41 times while he was standing on the steps of his building. This episode is fantastic. It's so well done. It's excellent. But the subject matter, it's real bad. I got to tell you, like, this one really, I watched it twice today, and it really affected me both times. I was saying earlier, I feel sad that these, all of these episodes are part of a 
series because mm -hmm. I feel like if they were standalone docs, they could be nominated for Academy Awards, like this one especially. The story is so well told. The music is so effective. I don't know. This one was a real tough one for me, girl. Yeah, it's it's real. I'm so shocked that you you don't remember like living through this because you're you're like you're always right at the forefront of everything that's happening. I know. I don't remember this really. I mean, I you know it was 1993. I don't really remember it. But well, Je Jenny Jones was on, so right. <laughs> I was real preoccupied watching Garbage Geraldo getting his face bashed in with a chair. You know what I mean? Which you know now that we're talking about it. Right. <laughs> All right. Can we watch that again, girl? I don't like him. I don't like Geraldo either. No. Who likes Geraldo? Geraldo. Get out of here. Who's the person like, I draw the line at you talking shit about Geraldo. Like, where? who is that person? Oh, my God. All right, you guys. So we start with Amadou Diallo's mom. We're sitting with her in some, like, gorgeous library or something somewhere. She looks gorgeous. It's one of those things where, like, she sits down, and I looked at her face, and I just took a deep breath, and I was like, I'm ready to receive you. Right. You sat up a little straighter. You're like, oh, my God. Everybody shut up. Yes. Because... <laughs> She's the mother of this person who was brutally murdered by four white cops in New York City. And he was an innocent, yeah. unarmed black man. And the grace that this woman has to deal with this situation, she's just, my God, hero. But so she says to us that, like, you know, whenever people ask her about Amadou, she says that, like, I used to tell people when I speak about my child, I always say we grew up together because I had him when I was a child myself. And I had this child at the age of 16. Amadou, my firstborn. I love this part so much. We see all these old photos of him and we see like home videos of him from Guinea, Africa, where he grew up. Mm -hmm. And he's just got this like goofy grin. You know, he's like what my mother would call a cut up. Like he just seems like he's kind a of- A card. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He just seemed like very pleasant to be around. He just seemed like just a fucking nice guy. He was just so smart. Like he wanted to come to America to pursue this computer degree. And he just said to his mom, like, look, I'm going to make you really proud. And I can't wait to get to this, like, you know, the land of the free and like this American dream and you know she says his mom says like I took the passport out and I said look and he was like big smile he said wow so I'm going to America I said yes you got the visa and everyone in Guinea was just like, go, like, go live your dream. And they were so proud. Yeah. And then it cuts to February 4th, 1999, the Bronx, New York City. And, you know, we're going to hear this over and over and over again. He was murdered by these four cops, 41 shots, 41 shots, 41 shots. And just when you think you're like, what would 41 shots sound like? You hear it. You hear this gunfire. It sounds at first you're like, what is that? It sounds like firecrackers. And then all of a sudden you realize it's the fucking gunshots. It sounds like a battle. It sounds it truly yes. like you're watching a civil war reenact. Like, truly, it sounds yes. like... It goes on forever. Forever. You guys, that's the number of bullets. That, that's what it sounded like when they murdered this guy on oh. the front steps of his building. It was God. that, like, bombastic. Yeah. And so we get the news reports. Tonight, a man who was not armed is dead, as autopsy results provide a tale of devastating police force. 
the accused of four police officers, all of them white, and the victim was a black man who, it turns out, had no weapon and committed no crime. And we learn it's four white officers. He was a black man. He was unarmed. He committed no crimes. And this, like, in his neighborhood and around New York City, this led to weeks of protests. You know, and this is kind of the opening. Like, we learn that his mother was determined that her son would not be reduced to four words. African immigrant street vendor. So remember Jeffrey Tubin? He's been around. Yeah, Tubes. Jay Tubes. Jay Tubes. <laughs> Jay Tubes is here to say. In New York City in the 1990s, crime was a major societal issue, but it would also be an important part of the politics of the city. Tubes, we know it was bad, girl, as exemplified by that stock photo of that TV floating in the Hudson River that we always see in every one of these documentaries about how bad New York was in the 70s and 80s. Look, if I've seen one stock photo of a TV floating in the Hudson River, I've seen a thousand, girl. You've seen them all, and it's just (laughs) that one. I want to know who the person was who had just had it with their TV that day. And they're like, you know what I'm going to do with this thing? I'm going to walk down to the Hudson River. I'm going to chuck it in. Throw it in the fucking river. (laughs) Fuck that TV. Fuck it. And then it just happened to be some like lifetime photographer was there and snapped a photo of it, sold it to Getty Images, and here we are. Bada boom, bada bing, as my friend Jillian says. I think you mean time life and bada big, bada boom. I think you inverted them. (laughs) Both of them. It's been a long day, girl. Who knows what I'm even saying? Like, like lifetime is yes. the Golden Girls, and right. time life is a little bit different. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Jay Tubes is here telling us about how still it's been decades of how New York City is just the worst place to be, which I take exception to. Doesn't matter. Anyway, 1993, yeah. election for mayor in New York City, and it was Mayor Dinkins versus Rudy Giuliani, you might know her. Hold on, put a pin in her. <laughs> Dinkins was the first black mayor of New York City. It was a big deal. The first yeah. black mayor of New York City. The thing about Dinkins that like it rings so resonantly today, like this idea that he had in like the late 80s, early 90s, that like we are all clamoring for now. He wanted oversight of the police departments. He wanted like a civilian organization overseeing the police. And so the police hated him, and that became the political wedge issue in the race between him and Rudy Giuliani. The job of the police is a difficult one. We have a huge population, but over 8 million people. Rudy and I are different people, different attitudes. Uh, I like my way better. So Giuliani wins the election, and, like, here's the thing. Like, the Rudy Giuliani of today is this, like, batshit crazy alcoholic man who, like, pops up on, like, conservative talk shows at, like, 10 p.m. on, like, Fox News hammered and just, like, slurring his words and speaking nonsense. He's just, like, mentally unhinged. But, yeah, I mean, there was absolutely a time where, I mean, after 9-11, for sure. He was America's mayor. Giuliani's whole thing was, like, law and order and, like, being super aggressive, and he, he had such this antiquated way of looking at things. Wait, can I ask you a question, girl? Are we not going to talk about that video that exists out there of Giuliani in, like, drag hanging out with Donald Trump? Are you familiar with this video? I'm very familiar. It's such an insult to the, the fine art of drag, you guys. You know, you're really beautiful. And a woman that looks like that has to have her own special scent. Oh, thank you. Maybe, maybe you could tell me what you think of this scent. Oh, you dirty boy, you. Oh, oh. Donald, I thought you were a gentleman. You can't say I didn't try. Oh, it's not drag. No. It is not drag. It's just a. It's two assholes in costume. It's not drag. To quote the goddess RuPaul, oh no, she better don't. She already done had it hers is. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what you meant to say. That is my favorite thing that RuPaul says. She... <laughs> 
Regardless. Anyway, he was like the opposite of Dinkins. We're like, where Dinkins wanted oversight of the police, Giuliani wanted to do that thing where he just wanted to overly fund the police. Rudy Giuliani had a fundamentally different response to law enforcement. It was a very aggressive approach. His intent was to reduce crime in a way that the city had never seen before. 40,000 officers stationed according to where the most crime occurs. Giuliani was so hard on crime, he had 40,000 cops that he was dispersing into the neighborhoods based on how much crime was happening there. Right. So the, quote, bad neighborhoods, which means like the poor neighborhoods, the Bronx, the Bronx where Amadou Diallo lived was over-policed and there was like that sort of over-policing is always going to lead to some sort of tragedy like what happened with Amadou Diallo. So February 4th, 1999 is the night that Amadou Diallo is Murdered, right? The next day, this wonderful, wonderful man, reporter Frankie, as we call him, goes into his job at the New York Post. Girl, we need to have a, another talk about the New York Post because we dragged the New York Post in the last episode about the subway vigilante where they were goddamn determined to be garbage. This is a tragedy, but goddamn it, we're the Post and we're going to be garbage about it. If I have anything to say about it, we are the goddamn New York Post, okay? We're going to be trash. Deal with it. We're the goddamn New York Post. Have some respect. We are trash. We're the New York Post. I stand by it. I stand by what I said every bit of it about the New York Post. Frankie, however, is wonderful. He works for the New York Post as well. And I kept being like, girl, are you sure you work for the New York Post and not the New York Times? Like, he keeps talking about the Post like it's like the paper of record and he's so proud to work there and his bosses are so amazing. And I was like, girl, what are you talking about? I know. And look, just Goog the New York Post. Like, we weren't wrong in that sense. Like, (laughs) Frankie is awesome. And I'm so glad that like his experience with the New York Post is a great one. Before, look, I know, I know we're talking about important things with reporter Frankie. Before we go any further, can I? say one thing he's so handsome he's very handsome right is that he's what you're so say? Handsome. he's handsome he's so handsome and he's so like I, I don't know if you know this or not but there's a town in massachusetts that just like legalized like is recognizing legal throuples and i'm not a throuple person really i'm a, i'm a pretty solid like monogamous married to my husband kind of guy but i'm wondering if we shouldn't invite frankie into the marriage and then we move to this town in massachusetts and then we live together as a throuple and we raise daisy and live happily ever after i'm wondering how non-throuple you are after hearing <laughs> this monologue well how about this how about maybe let's ask frankie how he feels yeah. and the thing here's something i think really that you're not saying but i know you i think you kind of love frankie because i think that you know he won't yell at you i know you you don't like yelling Right, you're always nervous that like someone's going to be yelling at you, right? I do very much live in fear that someone's going to yell. I try to diffuse yelling whenever I possibly can. I don't think Frankie is the kind of person who'll ever just be like, I think. I mean, he's not you. <laughs> There's only there can only be one you, whether it's a couple or a throuple. All right. So, agreed on all counts, the one thing that we need to say about reporter Frankie, reporter Frankie is black and that plays an important role. And so he shows up to work at the garbage post, but he thinks it's a great job, good for him. Well, maybe it was in this moment cuz he like goes to work and like didn't know about what happened so he shows up to work and like his boss is just like girl you gotta head up to the Bronx my boss at the time was having a conversation with other editors around him and you know they were just discussing this thing happened in the Bronx yesterday there were all these bullets this person is dead the editor just looked at me and said Frankie go here's the address just go to the Bronx 
So at this point, I'm like, yeah, if I didn't know the New York Post from a hole in the wall, right. I'd say they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, and so he gets up there and like, remember, we played the audio of this a minute ago where you heard the 41 shot. You heard what that sounded like. Oh, God. So he yeah. gets up there and he's like, the community also heard that. When you see the footage of this neighborhood, like it's not a sprawling city block. This is like a condensed city block. You hear those shots. It had to have sounded like a war zone. Everybody woke up. Everybody in the neighborhood knew what was going on. And he describes like people were milling around. People were in tears. People could not make sense of anything. Whatever it was that had happened the night before was just chaos and deadly. Everyone is confused. People are crying. Nobody knows how to make heads or tails of what happened the night before. And Frankie, who's talking to everybody, gives us the story that he's getting from the cops. Right. So here's like the official story from the NYPD. He had come home from work and was standing on the vestibule when these men approached in their unmarked car. He reached into his pocket to bring out a wallet. One or two of them thought it was a gun and opened fire. This unmarked car approaches him. They like yell at him like police. He goes to reach into his pocket to get his wallet or ID. They assume it's a gun. They open fire and they shoot him 41 goddamn times. Right. And he dies on the spot. And so my now co-husband, Frankie, is explaining to us that, like, the whole thing about this case where it all, I mean, beyond the murder, where this all starts to go wrong is right away. Because the press is covering this shooting, which is great, but they're not covering Amadou Diallo. All people could think about was the NYPD shot someone 41 times. The media didn't have any other concern in discussing who he was. They would say... He was a street peddler. He lived in a poor neighborhood. He was just completely and utterly otherized from the day one. You were saying this to me off the air about how you have to do both at the same time. You have to tell the story of what happened and you also have to tell the story of the person it happened to. Right. So at first I was like, oh my God, how cool is that? Not cool, but like how great is it that like back in the 90s, the media was so shocked by the 41 bullets yeah. and they je- they never held back. 41 bullets, unarmed black man, like they said all the facts, but they never said Amadou Diallo's name. And like other than that, he was an immigrant, a street peddler from a poor neighborhood And like, you have to do both. You have to say that his name is Amadou Diallo. He came to America to be a computer genius, which he already was, but he wanted to go to school. And 41 bullets. Like, all of those things have to be involved in the story. It's why the whole Sandra Bland chant, like, say her name, Sandra Bland. Say her name. Like, that's the whole thing. You have to, beyond just saying what happened, you got to tell the story. You got to say their names. And so Frankie, my co-husband, is Mm -hmm. now saying. And I thought, I have to keep staying on this story and try and figure out who was this guy. Hey, Garbage New York Post, kudos to you for supporting him and doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're back to Amadou's mom. She gets this phone call and something happened to her son and she immediately thinks there was like an accident and he's in the hospital. And when she... Yeah, and let's just explain, like, she's back in Guinea. She's back in Africa. She hasn't seen Amadou in two and a half years, we're going to find out. And right, she assumes that the friend is calling to say, like, Amadou's in the hospital. She finds out that he's been killed. And like, this is where I start doing the gay, weepy dad gasping because I just mm-hmm. cannot imagine that. And she decides she's got to like get on a plane and get to America as fast as she can. Right. So while she is doing that, we learn about the four officers who murdered this guy. Their names are, get your notes app out, pen- <laughs> pencil and paper, whatever you need. Give it a goog. Yeah. Richard Murphy, 
Sean Carroll, Kenneth Boss, and Edward McMillan. 23 years collectively. I hate when people do that. Who cares? <laughs> right. 41, trying- 41 bullets is, all, is the number I care about. I don't give a shit how long they've been on the fucking force. And if they've been on the force for that long, they should fucking know better. And they should know better before they're on the force to begin with. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Because you know, you know who I have to talk about now? Yes, I do. His name is Bennett Epstein. I labeled him garbage lawyer for one of the cops. And he's here to say to us, like, look, all you heard about was the 41 shots. 41 shots 24-7. It was all Diallo all the time. You hear about the 41 shots, and I suppose the first thing you think about is that these are trigger-happy cops, depraved killers. But there's two sides to the coin. The other side of the 41 shots is these were scared cops. These cops were scared, you guys. Scared of what? The guy reached into his wallet. There were four of you and 41 shots. One of you could have said, wait, 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 what the fuck? Or one yeah. of you could have just done a warning shot up into right. the air, into the ground. I don't know. I'm not a cop. I'm not going to be. I don't know how you do this. Right. But 41 <laughs> shots is bananas. Well, when you do the math on that, that is 10 and one quarter shots for each of them. You had to pull that trigger 10 times. Mm-hmm. Again, I direct you to the sound of what that sound is. Like. It it's sounds horrifying. like a fucking war. How do you not have the self-awareness to just stop? Right. This is where we learn about the street crime unit. This is the cop organization that these guys were a part of. They say it's the perfect illustration of Giuliani's philosophy on fighting Giuliani. crime. Giuliani? Don't say Giuliani. That sounds <laughs> way... Giuliani. <laughs> Whoa! Don't... No relation. It's the perfect example of Jillian's take on crime, you guys. I don't know if you know this about <laughs> her, but she... <laughs> don't! Very conservative when it comes to these things. Don't do that. No, 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 no I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's Giuliani's philosophy on crime, which is like he wants these plainclothes police officers in unmarked cars driving around these poor black neighborhoods arresting anybody for anything. They were plainclothes. They were in an unmarked car. So no one would know that they were police officers until they stopped you. And you knew that if you were a black or brown person, they could do or say anything in the name of protecting you. This whole thing is madness. Like, the idea that then a bunch of fucking stupid white men were like, this sounds like a great idea. Like, what are you talking about? But, I mean, what they're saying without saying it is that that Giuliani's philosophy on crime was to lock up as many poor black people as possible. Right. I mean, like, 100%. we learned about this in 13th. Like, that's exactly what this is. This is another example of this system repeating itself. And just assuming that if you exist in this poor neighborhood, you must be part of the problem. You, you must be guilty in some way. Like, there's a reporter, I think her name is Amy, and she's like... That's a reporter. I was most interested in why the police approached Diallo in the first place. If you're the police controlling these neighborhoods, what are you looking for? What are you prepared for? I think ultimately it goes back to their training. They would create situations with all kinds of threats. They're not training for the possibility of innocence. They're not training for the possibility of innocence. These cops are just always assuming that if you're black or if you're existing in this neighborhood, you must have something to hide. You must be a criminal. And that's a fucking problem. And also, Amadou Diallo was just going home. He was getting his keys to walk into his own apartment, which I feel like it's not screamed loud enough for me in this. Like, I feel like this is like a part of the thing that gets lost. Like, Amadou Diallo's name got lost in the media coverage of this. But you guys remember, he was on the staircase of his own apartment 
apartment building. He was just yeah. going home. Like he had every right to be there. And it's 41 shots and we're still yeah butting and well actuallying? No. But girl, guess who's here, girl? Al Sharpton's back. There she is. <laughs> Here's my question. Do you think Al Sharpton signed a contract with the producers of this series that he had to be in every single episode? I think he's always at the top of the list when you're like, we need someone to talk about because he was there. <laughs> like he was there through all of this. Never far from lights, cameras, action. No justice! But he insists that his flamboyant behavior is necessary if he's to get attention for what he's after. The media becomes the way to force those that are reluctant to dealing with the issue that they're gonna have to deal with it. Al Sharpton was all about the cameras. He was all about getting in front of the cameras. I just love the idea that he said to Sky, he's like, um, I can't actually do your interview for Trial by Media on Tuesday. I've got an interview for another episode of Trial by Media right. on Tuesday. Could we do Wednesday, maybe, girl? Wait, what, what episode are you? Are you episode two? Because I have episode one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six episodes of this thing. I know. All right, I guess I can do. And I gotta tell you, like, we are seeing him, like, we're seeing images and, like, videos of him throughout the years. And he is, he, he looks remarkably different. Be careful, girl. You know, but, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the words that people use to describe me that I don't like. He has really gotten himself into shape. Like, he is unrecognizable from his former self. Right, and it, it's also decades later. Yes. So <laughs> there's just a lot. And he's been through a lot, and he's done a lot of work. He's here, and basically the story is some activist from Abadou Diallo's neighborhood called him up and was like, girl, we need you. And he's like, great, I'll be right there. Right. And so... Now it's February 9th, 1999. It's five days after the shooting. And Amadou's mom is making her way to New York. And she says, uh, she says this thing where she says, Reality didn't sink in until I crossed the ocean to come for my child. Before landing, I saw police car flashing. I'm thinking, okay, what is going on here? She's on the airplane and she's like, weird, there's tons of police at the airport. What are they doing here, girl? So Amadou Diallo's mom is welcomed by the NYPD and Rudy Giuliani. And they're like, oh, right this way, ma'am. Let us escort you. Would you like a suite on Fifth Avenue? No problem. We gotcha. Yeah, so just to be super clear, the police are there for her, you guys. At the behest of Rudy Giuliani, the police meet Amadou's mother at the airport to be her personal guides and escorts. They, like, escort her from the airport. You guys, she has no idea. There's a car waiting for her. She gets a police escort. They're putting her up at, like, the Ritz on Fifth Avenue. They are rolling out the red carpet for this woman because they want her on their side. And she's like, cool, fuck that. I want to go where my son lived. I want to see where he lived and died. I told them that I needed first to go to the scene where my son lived and died. They were reluctant, but then I just said, no, this is it. I have to go there. This ripped my heart out. Yeah. She gets there and like she doesn't even know this. And she tells us over and over again, like I was not prepared for what was going on in New York when I got there. She didn't realize that her son's death had become a movement. And so there were hundreds of people just gathered outside where he had been killed. So when right. she shows up and they open the door to the SUV and she comes out, people are grabbing at her and she sees where her son had just been murdered five days before. There's a memorial. There are candles and flowers and people like waiting to receive her and welcome her and be on her side. And she's like screaming and wailing his name. This is where I was 
was like gay gasping again. Gay, like gay head banging on the table. Tears streaming down my face. Girl, I was crying so hard in this moment. There was an engineer here working on our podcast studio. We were social distancing. He knocked on the window to my office and asked me if I was okay. He was like, you okay, girl? I <laughs> he's like this really soft-spoken sweet guy he goes did you get some bad news and I was, you're like yes i did actually i most certainly did girl my whole life is bad news he like wanted to social distance me a tissue and i was like i'm good that's girl. very sweet i'm fine thank you and so now like amadou diallo's mom is back in the suv and they're like driving her to the fancy hotel on fifth avenue and she sees al sharpton on the tv she sees him like leading a protest in her son's name and she literally is like girl who is that And the thing is, like, the cops are trying to sweet talk her and just get her on their side, not on Al Sharpton's watch. No, because they say to her, like, oh, that's Reverend Al Sharpton. He's holding a rally in your son's name. So Amadou Diallo's mother sees sees him. She's like, I must go meet him. And she does. And Al Sharpton says, after about 45 minutes or so of her asking very insightful questions, she says, I will not stay here under the sponsorship of the city. I will go with you. You you take care of where I go. And we will get justice for my son. But Al Sharpton says, like, she's a mother who wants justice. And the fact that she is kind of asking these questions, yeah. she's an incredibly smart woman. And she's a, she has that, yeah. that motherly instinct or just that person instinct. Like, she's not going to be, like, the glitter that the NYPD is not going to distract her yeah. at all from what needs to happen. So Al Sharpton says, If she had stayed in the sponsorship of the mayor, then we would have all just been marginalized as troublemakers. There would have been no discussion. There's nothing to do with systemic bias, nothing to do with bad policing. It's just an accident. Things happen. By her taking that stand, they could not run that narrative. She made it so that that movement couldn't be ignored. They weren't just troublemakers. They weren't just protesters who could shut up. The fact that Amadou Diallo's mom was saying, "Uh, uh, 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 we are not going to deal with this. We're going to get justice served. It kind of made it more of a movement. So there's a grand jury is impaneled and there are protests happening and the world is just totally in chaos. My co-husband Frankie tells us that in the middle of all of this chaos, they've got to go bury Amadou back in Africa. Right. So Sharpton is going with the mom mm-hmm. and we see them loading this pine box. He's, he's in a pine box into the hearse and driving him to the airport. And again, girl, I got to say, I was really with you in the Subway Vigilante episode about the post being garbage, but they really step up to the plate for Frankie here again, girl. He says like, my bosses say like Frankie you should go you should go and like tell this guy's story from there I think it's a Frankie specific (laughs) love that we have and I think it's all totally valid in the editorial meetings they're like that guy Frankie thinks we're a legit paper you guys what do we do to keep this going (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it I love it you guys don't tell Frankie that we're fucking garbage he thinks that we're like and also like Frankie gives us credibility we can't lose Frankie operation we can't lose Frankie operation let's be nice to Frankie so the point is like Frankie goes to Guinea really to report on the man this man who's been lost in the narrative and yes 41 it's important to say that 41 shots that is very 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 important but he's not just a street peddler he's not just an immigrant who lived in a poor neighborhood his name is Amadou Diallo and we have to talk about that so Frankie gets to Africa before Sharpton and Amadou's mom and he is like on the tarmac when the plane with Sharpton and the mom lands and he's saying like there were hundreds and hundreds of people there and when everyone saw them getting off the plane like there was such an outpouring of affection but then then and we see the video of this and then somebody spots the coffin 
and all hell breaks loose. Everyone, it seemed as if the whole country was just weeping. You can feel it in your heart how heavy it is, but to see this country come together, you can't prepare for that. This is one of those really effective moments because like Frankie is saying to us, like people from this country go to America with the goal of like going to school, getting an education, becoming something successful and coming back home. Amadou wanted to go to school, graduate, become something and go home. And he had come home. But he had come home in this box, in this coffin. That was just tragic. That's again like banging my head on the table, trying to tell the engineer in the sound room that I'm fine. Bro, I'm just gay gasping right. over here. And like, it is so fucking sad. And, and again, we see it. We see the pine box and it's just like, we did this. Like our country did this to this mm -hmm. guy who came here totally. for a better life. And it is not yeah. fucking okay. And Finally, all this time later, on March 25th, these four asshole cops are arrested and charged with murder. And we get Bennett Epstein, whatever, yeah. the lawyer, and he's like, to our faces today. He's like, the charge of murder uh, against four police officers, I thought was extreme. You know what I think is extreme? 41 shots. I know. <laughs> like the fact that this defense, like I would respect him more, truly. I would respect him more if he was like, 41 shots is exactly what happened. 41 shots is crazy. 41 shots is extreme. Here's my defense. But the fact that he's like, I think a murder charge is a little much. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then it's like, you know, at the same time, we're actually like hearing from the cops. We're seeing them. Some reporter gets them on camera and they are just defending their positions. And it's, it's just, you can't believe Believe what you're hearing. I'd like to thank the officers of New York City for their undaunted support. And the members of the street crime unit, stand your heads proud. I did nothing wrong, and this trial will show that I did nothing wrong, and I'm looking forward to it. Richard Murphy, write that name down, is like, yeah. M-U-R-P-H-Y. Uh-huh, Richard, he's a real dick. Get it, <laughs> Richard. He's <laughs> Yeah, so Dick Murphy, because he's never heard that before. He's like, I did, I did, I did. He goes, I did nothing wrong. This trial's gonna show I did nothing wrong, and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're looking forward I to the trial, I know. like, I, like the the idea, and it's just like they assume they're getting away with it. They just like, I did, I did nothing wrong. Like again, I would respect you more if you were like, I was terrified. Yeah. I I saw. I swear to God, I saw that gun. I swear to you, I saw a gun. My life was in danger. I wouldn't believe it. Right, right, I would not yeah, believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I'd respect it more other than I did nothing wrong. No. <laughs> and so, like, speaking of the ways in which this guy Epstein is a total dick, Epstein the lawyer, Epstein is convinced that the people in the county where the murder happened cannot be impartial jurors. By the time the protests were finished, the citizens of Bronx County were inclined to convict these guys. Beyond that, there was a circus-like atmosphere with the media. It was all very, very negative publicity from the point of view of the cops. The media was just really unfair talking about these facts. Right. It was just really <laughs> not fair to talk about the 41 times that it was just really negative and then he's like and then and then on top of that they keep mentioning all the other times these white cops would like illegally kill people with chokeholds and knees on the necks like it's really just inappropriate and so we're being told all of this because Epstein is trying to get the judge to grant a change of venue for the trial and we're told that that is like never granted that's granted like 2% of the time it's asked for right well Dick Epstein the lawyer brought today for this interview he sits down right. he reaches into his pocket, tells the director he's got a present for her. I have a present for you, if you like. This is the opinion of the appellate division on the change of venue motion. 
I'm sure you'll be interested to see what it, they had to say. The smugness. I know. And so he, he like hands it to the filmmaker and she's like, all right, I'll bite. You want to read it on camera? And he goes, <laughs> I'd be happy to. Do you want to read the first paragraph? I'd be happy to. A pretrial change of venue for purposes of protecting the right to a fair trial is an extraordinary remedy reserved for the rarest of cases. The case of the four police officers accused of murdering Amadou Diallo is that rare case. It grants them the change of venue. So they go from, you guys, this happened in the Bronx. The Bronx has a 19% white population. They move it to Albany that has an 89% white population. Do you guys see where this is going? Do you see? Yeah, and it's like, and nobody can believe it. Sharpton is losing his mind. Amadou's mother is losing her mind. Like, this is just blatant racism in action. They are literally moving this to a venue that will be obviously more sympathetic to the cops. So you guys, it's January 31st, 2000. It's 11 months later. Trial is starting. Girl, it's court TV time. And guess guess who's here, girl? It's pre-Nancy Grace, Nancy Grace. It's <laughs> yes, not the Nancy yes. Grace we know today. Wait, I want the non-Patreon fam to understand your relationship, especially with Nancy Grace. Give us a little bit of background. <laughs> We've been with Nancy Grace for quite some time in yeah. our tenure at TCO. So Nancy Grace used to be this. Welcome back to Court TV. I'm Jim Grosso. And I'm Nancy Grace. This morning, we are bringing you continued live coverage of the Amadou Diallo shooting trial from Albany, New York. Welcome back to Core TV, and we will be bringing you all of the information. You will not miss a single second of justice. Justice is what we're here for, and justice is what you will get. Again, I am Nancy Grace. Yeah. She is not the, the screaming banshee. <laughs> Like, I'm Nancy Grace and I hate it. Like, she's not that. Like, she's, and my my theory is that the Lacey Peterson case broke Nancy Grace. <laughs> because there's a definite before and after. So, like, and it's in that series, in the Lacey Peterson series, we see her, because that went on for a long time. We yeah. see in episode one, she's more like riled up than this Nancy Grace in this episode. But she's not the Nancy Grace, the right. screaming banshee we know today. So the other area where you really see the crazy Nancy Grace is in the Jodi Arias, which gives us one of the best GP Nancy Grace impressions of all time. <laughs> Can you give it to the people, please, girl? I will give it. May I paint a picture? Yeah, please. Do you mind? <laughs> so Jodi Arias, you remember Jodi Arias? She's always like, hi, what's your name? My name is Jodi. Yeah, yeah, I totally killed him. Your arms are like so big though. Like she murdered her boyfriend. Yes. She's an asshole. She's a murderer and a piece yes. of shit and trash. Trash if there ever was trash. She's like the New York Post of humans. She's the New York Post of humans. And she's doing this like press junket because she just got convicted of murder. And she's doing a press junket from her jail cell. Like before she's like sent to prison, like in her jail cell. And the Nancy Grace cameras are on Jody Arias. So Jody Arias is sitting there and she's in her little like perfectly lit, like Mariah Carey lighting yes, yes, like yes. jail cell and she has this little makeup compact where she's like powdering her cheeks and her <laughs> nose and she's like doing the, the compact and Nancy Grace is like throwing to commercial and she's just like watching Jodi Arias like be Jodi Arias yeah. and she's like yeah okay fine why don't you put on some more makeup before <laughs> before we talk about your lover's murder <laughs> And I think originally I inverted it to like your murdered lover. Right. But I was wrong the first time, I think. 
So we learned that the jury on this case, it's six Caucasian men, two Caucasian women, and four African-American women. And, you know, like, basically, like, again, Court TV is there. It's gavel-to-gavel coverage. You guys, they've got the Court TV camera in the courtroom, and they've got some announcer, like, narrating it like a fucking football game. All right, you want to take your seats, please? The judge is already in the courtroom and has started a proceeding, so we're going to take you live to that Albany courtroom. Judge Teresi on the bench. It's so bizarre that this is like entertainment. It's just so insane. I know. It's bananas. So we get like the opening statements back and forth and we get Eric Warner, who's the ADA for the Bronx. He's prosecuting these cops. Yeah. They spend 20 minutes on the trial and like not much happens. But like the overriding thesis is that the DA for the Bronx is putting on a very straightforward, just the facts, ma'am, kind of prosecution. And the defense Mm -hmm. is doing a very showy, like the Epstein says, like we came prepared. We knew this was going to have national significance. You know, they are instructing these cops within an inch of their life. Every minute they're in the courtroom, these cops are acting. They've got their head down. They're like glassy-eyed. They're drinking water, you know, whatever. And then eventually the cops take the stand in their own defense. And they perjure themselves. Yeah. They just perjure themselves. Because the point is, yes, how, how, Rabia, how will the defense justify 41 shots? And we get this like jump cut of all of the cops. So like, it's not like we see each one's full testimony. We see each cop. No. You know, we see bits and pieces of it, and they're they're all they're trying to look like they're still in shock. They're trying to act like they're reliving it, and they're actually feeling terror in the moment. I couldn't see his right hand; he was still frantically tugging at something. I'm saying, police, show me your hands. Show me your hands. Police, don't move. I could see Mr. Diallo begin to turn. He was gripping a black square object, and I, I thought it was a gun. I seen a gun in his hand. Not a doubt in my mind that he had a gun. I'm dead. I'm dead. I heard Sean yell, he's got a gun. I fired my weapon. And I fired. I fired my gun. And then I fired and jumped out of the way. These cops are on the stand lying crying about how they're like we said police don't move okay we were so terrified we saw a gun girl one of the guys was fucking standing up and acting it out and i was like is that allowed like tell me you got permission to do that i'm sure he did because fucking albany or whatever but then one of them says oh my god i just held him his hand i rubbed his face please After we shot him 41 times, I went up to Amadou Diallo, crocodile fucking tears. I know. I I caressed his face. I held his hand. I begged him not to die. And I'm like, you know what would be helpful? If you didn't shoot him 41 fucking times. Like the crocodile tears and the bullshit. Like I'm sitting here thinking, how is this jury buying this? That's what I was just going to say. Like when you're looking at this man's face, he's making the crying sounds. And he's making the crying face with the furrowed brow. But there's no tears. There's no tears. And he's like making the crying voice. Like shaking like like, oh my god and there's no tears i mean it's just insulting to watch my question is like who's falling for this because at the end of the day even if that were true i'm really sorry you fucking feel bad but i'm not sorry at all because you shot an unarmed innocent man 41 times like i'm never gonna say you know what okay with 41 shots there's just nothing you can ever tell me so the thing is like amadou's mom is saying like it was so hard winter cold watching without any control my son being tried he's not alive no one was speaking for him the prosecution didn't even speak about who he was and finally i stood up and i walked out 
this is a nightmare because she actually had to walk out of the trial because once again, like he was covered in the press, like he's lost. Like his name wasn't said ever. And she was so upset at the prosecution. And then cut to February 25th, the verdict is in. What was your verdict in reference to the charge of murder in the second degree under the first count of the indictment? Not guilty. What was your verdict in reference to the charge of reckless endangerment in the first degree under the third count of the indictment? Not guilty. These cops are acquitted of everything 100%. And it just, like, I didn't know how this ended. And I didn't want to Google it. I wanted to, like, live through it. As the trial was going, I assumed it wasn't going to be good. And then we're left with Frankie, my co-husband, who I love. And he's just sort of, like, bottom-lining it for us. He says, like, At its core, racism is about fear. I don't know how you can prove racism in a court of law. But did we need to prove that to get justice for someone who was standing in his doorway and was shot at 41 times? This really just hit me like a ton of bricks. This is what I'm saying, like, because we meet some of the jurors, right? And we meet this black woman who's like, I understand how they feel. Believe me, I understand. And I have a a 16-year-old son, so I really understand. But again, I have to take it back to the district attorney's office. They didn't give me anything. I know that her journey is not mine, Yeah. but I still go back to it's 41 shots and he was just standing there. Like he, like I just, I don't, I can't get there, Patrick. I don't ask me, I won't go. I don't, I can't get there. And so that part of it ends like tragically. And I'm like, there's still five more minutes left. Where's the rest of this going, girl? And all of a sudden it's July of 2019, last summer, like literally a year ago, like right now. Mm-hmm. And Amadou's mom is in a classroom in New York and we learn that there was a civil suit filed against the city of New York that she won. She got a, a settlement of $3 million and she used the money to start the Amadou Diallo Foundation, which provides community outreach and scholarships for students aspiring to higher education. And she's just out there like telling his story, you know? Mm -hmm. She just wants his legacy to be known. She says this thing that just like got me right in my fucking heart. What I want the world to know, there was this young man named Amadou that came to the U.S. to succeed and never get a chance. The way that she talks, like she talks like in poetry, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my God. She talks in a way that like just makes you cry even in the best of times. She's ordering a sandwich and you're sobbing, you know? You're like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And and then also if you want to be mad, just Google what happened to all those cops. Because I'm not I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna give them those airtime. But wait, I do wanna say this. Two of these fucking cops became firefighters, and I made the note that if my house was burning to the ground and these two dirtbags showed up to save my life, I'd say, let me burn with the house. Get out of (laughs) here. Get out out of here dick it's probably that guy named dick (laughs) asshole oh you guys we did 41 shots episode three of trial by media girl that was a tough one i know but it's so so important like it's just it's so timely too like i i don't think netflix planned this to be as timely but here we are it's like you guys we should we should all be knowing these stories a little better than we do yeah um if you want some fun laughs good times you guys join us on the patreon it's where we do all of the series we're in the middle of all beyond in the dark which is the six-part hbo doc about the golden state killer Mm -hmm. um we just wrapped up mcmillions we've got the staircase the jinx lorraine 
the murder. You know, you know it all. Yeah, Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, OJ, Menendez Brothers, Natalie Holloway, Madeline McCann. Did you say Lorena? I feel like you said Lorena. Yeah, I that probably okay. did. You know, ringtones, ad-free episodes. Come hang out if you want. We love you. Yeah. Um, girl, we, so what's the next episode of this? What's the next thing we're doing? It's called King Richard, and uh-huh. it has to do, it, the last sentence of the description says, yeah. his name is Richard Scrushy? Not Scrunchy, Ooh. but Scrushy? <laughs> and he mounts an outlandish defense and resorts to co-hosting a religious talk show. There's fraud, there's money laundering, there's a weird name that you're going to mess up for an hour and a half. It's going to be great. Isn't this like, he's like a like a rich white pharmaceutical bro, girl. We're the, this is this is our wheelhouse. Yeah, Health South CEO. I don't know how Health South, but let's go. Let's do yes. this. I'm in. I'm in 100%. You guys, check us out at truecrimeobsessed.com. It's where you can find our merch. It's where you can find our promo codes, our episodes. Again, the merch, all proceeds, every dollar that we make is going to charity. So mm-hmm. go get yourself a face mask or a mug. Yeah, and like, and like forever. Like that's just yeah. like the thing about the merch. That's what we're doing. Girl, where can they find us on the Instagram? They can find us on the Instagram at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Insta. And you are at Patrick Hines underscore on the Insta. And you are at Jillian with a G on all the things. You guys, we love you. I don't know if there's a trailer for the next one or not. We'll we'll have to see. We'll see. Uh, but either way, stick around for our outrageous outtakes. I mean, we took everyone to task, as you say. Or take that to the cleaners. <laughs> take that to the said. goddamn cleaners. Uh, all right, we love you guys. I love you, girl. I love you. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for doing this with me week after week. <laughs> I'm just I'm just real grateful. Let me, <laughs> let me just say that. I'm just real happy to be here. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. So, I'm sorry. To rewind, Broadway was Broadway used to be a place. Broadway's dead. Here she lies. No one knew her. That's from Rent, another Broadway show. I'm uh-huh. really just spiraling. Times Square is so saccharine now. It's so yes. like, it's so clean. Like, I know I know if you ever visited, it feels like it's not because it smells horrible and that's accurate. <laughs> but welcome that's to New York City in August. Girl. I know, a girl, then you, you know better than anyone. It's the worst. <laughs> I just love your hardened New York anecdotes. I love that you learned that when you were seven and it has never left you. And I, 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 that's why I'm so hateful, as the iTunes reviews say. I'm downright hateful. Have you heard that I'm hateful? Stay tuned. We're going to totally drag Jodi Arias. Can you just like hand me my makeup compacts real quick? Thanks. <laughs>